The United States became a unique, prosperous, and admired nation because of its faith in God and willingness of the people to abide by principles and standards of God's Word. Over time, however, the urge to glorify oneself rather than God has seriously eroded the strength and future of our nation. Join us today as I interview George Barna. He and David Barton wrote, U-Turn, Restoring America to the Strength of Its Roots. We'll discuss current cultural trends and changes that have occurred in the family, the Christian church, and the government. And we'll discuss what we can do to make that U-turn. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss today's program. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's Family Shield program. Dr. George Barna, my guest today, is the executive director of the American Culture and Faith Institute, the founder of the Barna Group, and the best-selling author of 49 books. He lives in Southern California with his wife, and we are so pleased that he is our guest today. Welcome, Dr. Barna. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, thanks for having me, Kay. I appreciate it. Oh, well, your book is wonderful. You uh, turn Restoring America to the Strength of Its Roots. Why should we make a U-turn? Well, you know, when you look at what's going on in the country, we've got all kinds of issues that we're wrestling with. But one of the things that David Barton and I did when we first sat down and talked about the idea and started putting some information together was try to figure out, is America still a great nation? Is it as great as it could be? Is it all that the Lord wants it to be? And, and we came to the conclusion that, no, it's not where it could be. We, we looked historically at what had happened with the country and came to the conclusion that part of the reason why we're losing altitude, if you will, is that there has always been this great dynamic partnership between church, family, and government that enabled America to be a unique nation on the face and in the history of the earth. And when we look at the nature of that partnership today, what we find is that families really aren't upholding what the Bible calls them to do. The Church really isn't playing the role that it needs to play in order for families and the culture to be what it ought to be. And the government is not a good player in this whole mix as well. And so our conclusion was that really, we've as a nation, we've got to make a U-turn and go back to some of the things that made America strong for so long, things that made America such a unique nation for so many years. It's doable, but we have to do it intentionally. It won't just happen. Good, good. And we'll talk a little later about how we do that. I, I thought during uh, the first part of our program, we could talk about some of these cultural changes. And let's start with the family. What's happening there? And uh, your book has so many statistics. And I probably, through Family Shield Ministries, quote you so often. Uh, but um, just uh, tell us a little bit about this, uh, the beliefs for the new era. Well, you know, I, when you look at what's happening with family, there are so many changes that are happening so quickly, and they're so significant. Of course, the ones that get so much of the news coverage relate to what essentially is the redefinition of family, where now in America we have so many people who are saying that family is 
whatever people want it to be. Uh-huh. It can be people of the same gender who believe they love each other. It can be people of opposite genders who believe they love each other. Uh, it can be anybody who gets married, regardless of genders. So we've got this this confused idea right now of what family actually is, failing to remember that it wasn't up to us to define family. That's a definition that God That's gave right. to us. And he gave it to us very specifically, and he gave it to us for our benefit. And to my knowledge, he hasn't asked us to change the definition that he gave us. So you've got that taking place at the same time that that traditional marriage is really struggling uh, because of things like divorce. Uh-huh. And then you've got issues such as children. And we know from our recent research that large proportions of young adults in America today who are parents are saying that they may or they may not have children. They don't consider children to be necessary to have a fulfilling life. Uh, Many of the parents in America today who have children are saying that, you know, it's not that important to them what happens with their children. We've got a completely different mindset about the responsibilities that go along with parenting today. And so you look at all of that, you look at issues like abortion, which again give us a sense of the fact that we don't consider human life to be that that uh, valuable necessarily. And again, we're making choices that, that do not honor God and His principles. Yeah. So the family situation in America today is a difficult one. You add to that all the things that family would traditionally do in terms of of raising good citizens, in terms of inculcating moral values in the minds and hearts of children, in terms of modeling for those children what that kind of morality looks like. And you can see that, you know, we're, we're really having a hard time making sense of it all and putting it together in a way that honors God and moves the country forward. You bet. And so much in your book related to the statistics. And of course, we don't have time to go into all of those things. But uh, we saw many years ago, the family starting to break down. And uh, of course, uh, we could keep talking about that. But let's talk for a minute about the church. And when you talk about the church, you are talking about the body of Christ, the large C, not the small individual uh, denomination on the corner, but the entire church, Christian church, I should say. Yeah, and, and, and when we talk about what's going on there, again, what, what it relates to is this drive that Americans have had for the last 40 or 50 years to have a sense of freedom and independence from any kind of control from anything external, whether it be God, whether it be government, whether it be family, spouse, employer. Basically, what Americans are driven by is a desire to have uh, experiences and to be happy, and and we've come to the conclusion that the way to do that is for us to call the shots in our lives. And when you look at what's taking place spiritually in America, it's the same way. We don't want God looking over our shoulder telling us how to behave. We, by and large, even question whether or not God is involved in our lives in America today. Where's the church, the, the organized church in all this, where we have people who have been trained to teach what the Bible says? What we found in our research is that over the last 25 years in particular, what we've been doing is moving away from mm-hmm. sharing with people 
the hard biblical truths that would place some limitations on the choices that we make, that would insist that God is in control of our lives, not us, Mm -hmm. that would suggest that we are not a people entitled to anything, that at best we should be absolutely thrilled that Jesus was willing to die for our sins and give us the hope of eternal life with God in heaven. But by and large, Americans are not willing to feel restricted by those kind of perspectives, and the Church isn't giving them the kinds of challenges that people need to have. You bet. And we talk a lot of times uh, on Family Shield about the biblical illiteracy that seems to permeate not just outside of the Church, but unfortunately inside of the churches as well. Um, talk a little bit about new beliefs uh, related to faith and God and Jesus, just a little bit more uh, specific about some of the ways that this uh, illiteracy or just turning away from the truths of God's Word is impacting the church. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about God's Word, you know, it's it's interesting that the Bible continues to be the best-selling book mm-hmm. in America, more than eight out of ten households own at least one Bible. Uh, you know, most Americans consider it to be holy or sacred literature. But when you look at how many people are actually reading it, you've only got about one out of every eight Americans that read God's Word every day. You've got a much larger proportion of people, uh, you know, somewhere on the order of two-thirds of the country, who may read it once a month or less. So... There, there's not a lot of time being devoted to finding out what the Bible has to say. When you look at what people believe about biblical content, we find that only one out of three adults believe that the Bible is completely accurate and reliable in the principles that it teaches. This isn't even the inerrancy argument. This is just, can I trust it to give me some truth to live by? And only about one out of three Americans say, yeah, that's the case. But when you, when you dig deeper and deeper and deeper to try to figure out all the different beliefs that people have about God, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, about truth, about meaning of life, and, and you look for something that you might consider to be a biblical worldview, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, even a simplistic measure of that, which we've been doing for probably 15 or 20 years, shows that right now, among born-again Christians, people who would say when they die, they know they're going to heaven, only because they've confessed their sins and accepted Christ as their Savior. Uh, among that particular group of people, what we're finding is only one out of ten uh-huh. have a biblical worldview. Uh-huh. So we can see how much ground we've lost in the last 40 or 50 years by taking our eyes off of God, by taking our minds off the Scriptures, by no longer being a community that was, being willing, to, that was willing to be held accountable for biblical principles. And this is where we find ourselves today. And I noticed in your book, too, uh, you talk about the fact that the Bible really gives the instruction of the children and the instruction about God to parents, and the church is there to support parents. But we've kind of flipped that over. Most parents have turned that responsibility of Sunday school, church, Bible study to the church, and and that's a challenge, too. So a lot of times this issue of uh, the family and the church moving away, it goes right back to the parents or the families and the importance that they have in passing on the faith, that verse in Genesis, uh, as you walk and talk, share, uh, talk about the Lord with your children, tell the next generation. 
Yeah, I mean, the situation that we've got today, Kay, is one where most Christian parents do not take on the spiritual nurturing of their children. They believe that the best thing they can do for their kids is to find religious professionals, people who, quote-unquote, know what they're doing, Mm -hmm. people who know the Bible, people who will help their children to be exposed to many of the foundational truths of the Christian faith. And so what happens is those parents think if they can drop their kids off at a Sunday school or some other kind of Christian education experience at a church, that they can check off their to-do list spiritual nourishment for their children. Because what they've done is they've assigned that task to somebody else, Mm -hmm. and they're assuming that that gets done. But what they're missing is, first of all, that's not how it's supposed to work. The local church, if it has any role in raising those children, it's supposed to be to support the parents in what they're doing. The parents are first and foremost Mm -hmm. with that responsibility. Uh, But that's not how it's working. So we're dropping the ball with our kids. They're not getting any kind of spiritual development in the schools. They're not really getting very much at church, getting very little at home. Scary, what I found out of the research is that most of the spiritual perspectives that young Americans embrace are actually coming from the media to which they're exposed. Mm. The movies, the television Mm -hmm. shows, the music they listen to, the internet sites they visit, those are the places where spiritual conversations are being held, that they're attuned to. And that's partly why we're struggling so much spiritually in this country. Absolutely, yes. I, I remember quoting you uh, in a in a uh, newspaper, a newsletter that we did uh, a few months ago. Maybe it was six months ago that the church is no longer one of the uh, main influencers of our children and youth, but family still is. And I I was saying that's a good thing for Family Shield. Well, our time is is moving quickly. I want to have a few announcements, and then we're going to talk about our government and and then what we can do to make that U-turn happen, how we as individuals can help. Each week, Family Shield offers a booklet or resource to our listeners. This week, we're offering the booklet, So You Prayed for a Miracle, are Reasons to Believe. To receive the booklet, or both of them, at no charge, email us at witness2family at gmail. Dot com or call the Family Shield office 314-772-6070. We're also going to be giving away three of the U-Turn books through a drawing. To have your name entered into the drawing, email your complete name and address, again, to witness2family at gmail.com or call us 772-6070, area code 314. Did you know that Family Shield has a speakers bureau with speakers that can come to your congregation or church group? To learn more, go to the website at www.familyshieldministries.com. Now I want to go back to our guest, Dr. George Barna, author of U-Turn, Restoring America to the Strength of Its Roots. Well, we want to talk, before we begin talking about how we make this U-Turn happen, about what's happening with our nation and the government and, and the changes, the cultural changes that have happened there. This is important. So uh, share that with our listeners. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, Kay, when you look at a lot of the big picture stuff that happens. One thing we could do, for instance, is just step back and say, well, what kind of policy changes have taken place in our country in the last few decades? And among the things that we could identify would be things like 
removing the Bible and prayer from public schools, legalizing abortion, legalizing same-sex marriage, the government spending way beyond its means to the point where now we're about $18 trillion in debt, um, facilitating people working on the Sabbath, protecting pornography as free speech, facilitating divorce, penalizing families through taxes and other means, and even for doing things like homeschooling, reducing religious liberties, um, instituting the unprecedented expansion of entitlement programs, Mm. uh, facilitating things like eavesdropping by the government on its citizens and collecting data about them that used to be illegal, Uh, or, or even things like the fact that most of the laws that actually go into practice these days either come through judicial rulings or executive orders or or policy statements that are coming out of departments of the government. They're not going through the legislative branch, which is how it's supposed to work. So, I mean, you put all that and a lot more together, and what you get is a picture of a completely different nation, one that's Mm -hmm. changed its values from the, the core values on which the country was founded to a completely new set of selfish, independence-minded values that we have today. How can that happen? Well, it happens because people don't even understand what's going on. We, we don't know how the government works. I mean, we know that two out of three Americans today cannot identify the three branches of government. Seven out of ten don't know that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Only one out of every 1,000 Americans can name all five freedoms, you know, protected within it. We, uh, most of us, two-thirds currently can't name a single member of the U.S. Supreme Court, and it goes on and on and on. We've distanced ourselves from understanding and participating in government process because of that shift in values. We want to be entertained. We want to be happy. We want experiences. We want relationships. We don't necessarily want to embrace the duties that we must embrace in order to keep America strong. And that's allowed people who have a whole different agenda to change the way that things operate. Now let's talk for the rest of the program about how we make this U-turn. We see all the changes in our family, in the church, and in our government. But what do we as individual Christians need to do? Well, let, let me start with the church. And, you know, I, I think that is so critical because... We have a situation here where, again, we've gotten lazy. And and what we've taken on is this idea that, well, if we just go to church, we'll be fine. But, but of course, biblically, we're never called to go to church. We're called to be the church. Mm -hmm. And there's a massive difference there because it insinuates that we have to be actively participating in the development of our spiritual depth. And so we, we need to be pursuing... God's transformation in our lives. Now, that's a key thing, Kay, because when I've done the research over the last few years with senior pastors of Protestant churches across the country, I asked them, you know, do you consider your local church to be successful? And more than 90% of pastors said, yes, it's successful. And I said, great, can you tell me the criteria that you mm-hmm. use to determine that? And what I found is that there are five standards that most churches turn to. Attendance, the amount of money given, the number of programs offered, the number of staff hired, and the square footage that's been built out on the campus. And all of that is fine, except for one little thing, which is Jesus never died for any of those. No. You know, that doesn't necessarily relate to life transformation. We've got to get Mm -hmm. back to that 
where we're willing to be broken by sin, self, and society before God, we're willing to surrender our, our lives to Him, submit to His agenda and His will, and, and try to allow Him to love people through us 24-7. If we could take on that kind of different identity that Galatians talks about, where we, have a, we become a new creation in Christ, it would change our whole perspective on things. And so again, another, another example of what this looks like. Uh, during the midterm elections last year, one of the things that I was doing was a series of surveys with the senior pastors of theologically conservative Protestant churches across the country. And one of the things that I asked pastors was, do you think that the Bible speaks to an issue like immigration? Does it speak to gun control? Does it speak to abortion? Does it speak to same-sex marriage? Went through about a dozen different issues with the pastors. And in more than 90% of the cases for each of those issues, pastors were saying, of course the Bible speaks to these things. The Bible's relevant to everything in our lives. My follow-up question to them, again, going from issue to issue, is are you planning to tell your parishioners, mm. your congregants, what the Bible teaches on that issue? And uh, there were two issues where we got about a third of them who said yes. For the other eight, nine, ten issues, what we found was less than one out of ten pastors said, yes, I'll share that information with my people. Yeah. Now, how can we expect Christians to know what to think if our leaders aren't sharing biblical truths with us related to the kinds of issues that we face every day in our lives. Absolutely. And so, you know, that, that's something else that we, we've got to be looking at, is the Church being relevant to the very issues mm-hmm. that we face day to day. We can't shrink from it because we think, well, you know, that won't make us successful. It'll repel people because we're going to ask them to do some difficult things. We're going to tell them some truths they may not want to hear. Tough tacos, that's what we're there to do. <laughs> so we've, we've got to stand up for truth and, and, and teach people principles that they need to make appropriate decisions. Amen. Yes, I, I totally agree. Um, everybody wouldn't agree, though, Dr. Uh, Barna. Um, oh, but, I know that well. Yeah. <laughs> it's really challenging uh, to be, uh, uh, to, 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 to help people, and sometimes a lot of them are inside the church to understand what God's Word says and to be relevant Part of the challenge, well, I won't get into that because it'll take up our time. So what else do we need to do? By the way, Kay, just just related to that, let me just throw in one quick thing, and that's that in talking, interviewing these pastors across the country, the the concept that they kept telling me is we are doing a holy work. Mm. We don't want to dirty our hands with politics. Oh, yeah. And to me, that betrays a misunderstanding of the Scriptures. Because what it does is it tells us that our faith must be compartmentalized, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with certain compartments of our life. The truth of the matter is Jesus came here and taught that your faith invades every dimension, every fiber of your being. And so you need to figure out how to translate these truths into all dimensions, whether it's politics or economics or relationships or family or justice, whatever it may be, the Bible is indeed relevant. Right. Now, you asked us what other kinds of things we yeah, might... What else might, do we need to do? Yeah, yeah. you know, we, we can look at this whole issue of government, and one of the things that I alluded to earlier was that people don't even know how it works or what their responsibilities are. So one of the things that, that we believe would be incredibly helpful would be, just like we want Christians to read the Bible so they understand the core principles of life, we'd love for Americans, Christians included, of course, to read the Constitution 
so that they know what the founding fathers had in mind, so that they can discover firsthand how does government work. You know, if they read the Constitution, they study it, they'll figure out what the rights are that have been given to us through that Constitution. And then we can share that with other people. We can begin to recognize the violations of our rights, whether that's religious freedoms or other kinds of rights. And we can begin to defend those rights and to assert them as necessary. But as Christians, then, it gives us a better understanding of how do we pray for the country? What what are we even supposed to pray for? How would we know that if we haven't studied the Bible and we haven't read the Constitution? We need to have both of those things in our minds and hearts so that we can move forward. You bet. And then again, certainly when we look at the family, parents have to stand up and recognize that it is their responsibility, no one else's, to raise godly children in this country. Uh, you know, we, we as parents have to be modeling for our kids what kind of morality and what kind of values we want our children to possess. In America right now, I mean, we've got 69% of Americans who say that getting a divorce is morally acceptable. Having a child outside of marriage, 67% say that's morally acceptable. Uh, you know, having uh, sexual thoughts or fantasies about someone you're not married to, 63% say that's morally acceptable. This is what our kids are growing up with. This is what they're seeing modeled for them by the adults whom they watch every day. We've got to turn that around. If nothing else, Christian parents need to set a very different standard, not only for their children, but for the rest of society. We have got to be leaders in what's taking place, not simply victims of what society is doing to us. You bet. Now, we have less than two minutes left. I want to just mention one thing. I think, and I'm not sure, I think it was in your book, but I believe the body of Christ must work together. I'm part of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. And uh, we we tend to stay separate. I don't think that's a good thing. I think the body of Christ must come together as God's Word and Jesus told us to do. No, we won't agree on every dot and dash, but we believe in the basics, Jesus as the Savior and Lord. And I I think that that's a really important part of that. 60 seconds left, Dr. Uh, Barna. Would you share anything else that you think our listeners need to know in those real short seconds? Yeah, you know, I mean, when, when we look at the turnaround that needs to happen, we, we've got to understand that that God set us up for success. Uh, and, you know, the settlers and the founding fathers sought God. They followed his ways. He blessed America. We reveled in those blessings. Then we began to take the blessings for granted. Then we went even farther. We took credit for the blessings. And, and now we've pretty much turned our back on his principles in favor of what the Scriptures would say is, is doing what's right in our own eyes. And God is allowing us to suffer the consequences of doing that. But he's also loving enough to allow us to make this U-turn, to go back to him, to understand and embrace his principles and bring us back to what's right. All right. Our time is up. My guest has been Dr. George Barna. Uh, let's make that U-turn together. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more www.familyshieldministries.com. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. 
and tune in again next week for Family Shield.